NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mollock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not you get a call to the hall. So over the weekend, it was the NFL Draft, 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, Draft weekend for the NFL is oddly, maybe not oddly anymore. I think like they said 30 million people are watching day one. It's one of my favorite sporting events of the year. Um, Obviously, there's no game that's played, but, you know, they played the national anthem before it started. So it's starting to feel like it's an actual game. But one of my favorite weekends, uh, the Bears are back and disappointing me on draft day last year was an outlier when they got Justin Fields and I couldn't have been happier. I'm back to being disappointed by the Bears, but overall it's fun because, you know, there's all these new players coming to the NFL and it's not just the first round players that make impacts, but honestly, rounds one through seven, they all matter. When we get to round six, we hear people talk about, oh, Tom Brady was like every pick matters, every round matters. And there's Hall of Fame players throughout every round. And what I like to do around draft time, around the NFL draft, the NBA draft, I don't do it for baseball. That's just too hard to project. But football, basketball, what I try to do is look at the draft and say, you know, who has the most potential to end up in the Hall of Fame? This is a Hall of Fame podcast after all. So we need to tie back one of my favorite sporting weekends with the Hall of Fame. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to quickly run through the winners of the draft. So two teams I thought really crushed it this year, two losers of the draft. And then after I go through that, I'm going to cover who I think the top four players in this draft are that have the most Hall of Fame potential, who I think can make the Hall of Fame. Now, some of these players might be Bust at the end of the day, but the potential is there, whether it be the team fit or their skill set. I see a, a Hall of Fame future um, possible. Again, if I'm even one for four on that, I think I'd be very happy. So again, I'm going to do quick winners of the draft. Then I'm going to do losers of the draft. And we're going to do the top four most likely players to get in the Hall of Fame. So let's get into it. All right. So. For my two winners of the draft, I'll say this. I think teams did a lot better drafting this year than than normal because there were a number of teams I I think could get my top two spots here for the winners. Uh, You know, teams like the Baltimore Ravens, who always, like clockwork, seem to always pick a player who should have been drafted earlier. Uh, You know, they're being the fourth round. They'd be like, get a guy who like, oh, he could have won the second round and so on. And. Per usual, they just dominated. I mean, the first round at pick 14, they got Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame, the safety, who could be one of the best players coming out of this draft. And later, they got Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, the center, who's going to be, you know, their center for probably the next 10 years. And even in later rounds, they were getting players in the third and fourth round um, who probably should have went earlier. I mean, uh, David Ojoba from Michigan, he's hurt. He was in the second round. He should have been a first-round pick if he didn't get hurt. So top to bottom – they just crushed it per usual. And then there seems like the Lions. I, I mean, good for the Lions. They got Aiden Hutchinson at number two, who most people for a very long time had going number one overall. Um, you know, I think he'll be like a Chris Long type in the NFL, probably get eight or nine sacks a game or a per season. You know, set the edge very well. And oh my gosh, can Dan Campbell not get a better player than Aiden Hutchinson? That's like a Dan Campbell create a player. 
you know, he's gritty. He's going to be all he cares about is football. He's hard nosed. It's like the Dan Campbell wish list player all, all rolled up in the one. And he's, he went to Michigan, right? So that's fun for Detroit fans. And then again, they got Jameson, um, Jameson Williams, probably the best receiver in the draft. If he comes back from his injury, okay, which it looks like he is, they got him at 12 and he could come in and be a number one eventually. So I thought they really crushed the beginning of the draft. And then again, there was a number of other teams that had very solid drafts. However, my top two spots are going to teams that usually, I would say, at least recently butchered the draft and who have been struggling for way too long. So I'm very happy that they both had good drafts. And these are both New York teams, the New York Giants and the New York Jets. They share a stadium, and now they both are my two top winners in the draft. So let's start with the Jets. So the Jets came in with two top 10 picks, and they actually traded in to the back into the first round to get a third pick at the end of the draft. And I think they crushed all three. I, I don't know much about the rest of their picks outside of the first round, but their top three picks all in the first round, I think they crushed. I think they have three starters here and, and three players that can honestly make Pro Bowls, possibly all pro teams. So, you know, they started off with Sauce Gardner. Again, when you have a cornerback, you're nicknamed Sauce. I'm already, you know, I'm already, my attention is there. But really, this is a guy who could be one of the better corners in the league, to be honest. I mean, he's 6'3", 190. I love big corners like that, rangy corners. He's got the size. He gave up zero touchdowns in college. I repeat, zero touchdowns in college. A 1,000 career snaps in coverage. Gave up zero touchdowns. And again, he was only targeted 31 times in 2021 as the nearest defender because no one gets near him. So, you know, people aren't throwing the ball at him. He's like Sauce Island over there. Revis Island, Sauce Island. In 2021, again, only 31 times they throw near him. He left eight catches for 60 yards over the entire year over at Cincinnati. So this is a guy who is not just, no one's throwing his way. He's not letting up anything. Now, my only concern about him, right? He was at Cincinnati. He's playing in a lesser conference. These aren't, you know, I don't know how many players from the conference, you know, that conference is gotten the NFL this year or how many NFL level players he played up against throughout his career, but at the level he played at, that's all he can do. He dominated. So now it's like, can he take the next step? And again, he's in, when you look at his conference, right, he's going to be going up against Diggs in Buffalo. Um, Tyreek Hill on the Dolphins. Now Waddle on the Dolphins, he's going to be going up against top tier wide receivers now from day one. Can he live up to that? I think he can live up to the pedigree of the fourth overall pick, but I think that's a solid pick by the Jets. And again, they have Diggs in Buffalo. They have Waddle and Hill on the Dolphins. Patriots don't really have much, but when you're going up the Dolphins twice a year and you're going up against the Bills twice a year, you need a lockdown corner. Revis is going to go to the, I'm Revis. I'm already calling him Revis. Sauce is going to go to the Jets. Can he be? The next Revis there, I don't know if he can be that, but if he can even be just a, a little below that, you're talking about a Hall of Fame caliber guy. So great pick, but with Sauce at number 10, I think they killed it again and they went offense here. They went wide out where they went Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. This guy's a burner, you know, 15.1 yards per catch last year at Ohio State with 12 TDs, 4.38 40-yard dash. You know, an elite athlete, he's going to be a guy that hopefully, Wilson, you know, the Wilson-Wilson connection can be, you know, a thing. 
He's compared to Odell Beckham in comps, which I think is a little high. I don't, I don't see him as that good of a pass catcher. I mean, he's a great pass catcher, but not that level. But if he can be any, again, anywhere near Beckham, that's a, a, a steal at 10. And Garrett Wilson can easily become, you know, the best receiver out of this draft, with which, you know, there's a ton of good receivers in this draft. So I think that's great. And again, I hope that Wilson to Wilson kind of long ball connection can happen there in New York. And then again, they traded back in at number 26. They got Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, who some considered the best pass rusher in the draft. And some thought the Jets might draft him at four overall where they got sauce. So no, they didn't draft him at number four and no, they didn't draft him at number 10, but they came back in. They probably couldn't believe he was still available at 26 and they drafted him at number 26, 6'5", 254 pounds, 11.5 sacks last year, 17 and a half sacks for loss, runs a 4.58 40-yard dash. This guy's an elite athlete. I mean, he's going to start from day one. He's someone that can has the potential to get double-digit sacks, and they got him at the end of the, the first round. So they got Sauce now, corner, lockdown corner. They got Garrett as a potential number one wide receiver for the future for that Wilson-to-Wilson connection. And then an elite pass rusher. Four five eight speed, 6'5", 254, and Jermaine Johnson. There's a chance all three of those guys become premier starters in this league, and they got them all in one draft. So hell of a haul in the first round. The rest of the draft, again, I know they got Bryce Hall in the second round of uh, out of Iowa State. He kind of broke all the records. My Bears running back, David Montgomery, sent there. David Montgomery's been great for the Bears. So if, if, if Brees Hall is, is that good for them, I might send Bryce earlier. Brees Hall is as good for, for uh, the Jets as he is for the as Dave Montgomery's for the Bears. Then again, the Jets are sitting pretty from here. So good for the Jets. They have a lot of fun players now, and the Jets have not had much to look forward to. They have a lot of fun players to watch this coming year. Um, you know, will they be any good? That's really dependent on Zach Wilson, but they've got a lot of core pieces in this draft to really make that team much better and more fun to watch. So very happy for Jets fans. And the other winner I had, of course, is the other team that plays in the same stadium as the Jets, uh, the New York Giants, right? So I really do believe they had number five pick and the number seven pick in the first round. So they had two top 10 picks, just like the Jets did. And I think they might've even crushed it better than the Jets. Did. Actually, I do think they crushed better than the Jets because I think they got the number one defensive player in the draft in Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think they got the possibly number one offensive player in the draft in Evan Neal out of Alabama. So they got uh, Kavion at number five and they got Evan at number seven. Um, so someone, you know, both trench players, right? They're getting Kavon to that D line. Um, this is a guy who for the longest time coming into, I guess, the 2021 college season, um, was predicted to be the number one player in the draft. I mean, honestly, when he was a freshman at Oregon, people thought he was going to be the number one player um, in the draft when he finally came out. I mean, this guy is enormous. He's going to be able to play against both the pass rush, or I'm sorry, against the run and the pass. And I just think he's a, a future all pro. I really do think he has that. I'm not going to go to as much detail on him here though, because he is going to be in my, potential hall of famers list. And I want to go into more detail then. So I'm going to shift and talk about Evan Neal a little bit more here. So Evan Neal is exactly what I love 
about offensive linemen. Six foot eight, 337 pounds. Okay. So I grew up in the air of the Jonathan Ogdens. So the Hall of Fame left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, the Willie Rofes, who I think was six foot six or six, no, I think he was six seven for the you know, New Orleans Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I grew up in these big left tackles, Orlando Pace, right? Six seven, these giant left tackles who just blocked out the sun. And I kind of fell in love with those players. And Evan Neal fits that perfectly. So again, he's 6'8", 337. He started 40-plus games at Bama. And he was versatile there at 6'8". Played left guard in 2019, right tackle in 2020, and left tackle um, in 2021. So he can kind of play all over the place because he's that athletic. Um, great pass blocker and great run blocker. And, he's, and again, he's a freak athlete at 6'8", 337, which – Really think about how big that is. That's like a, that's like an NBA power forward with an extra 110 pounds on him. Because this guy is an athlete. He, he can box jump 48 inches. He can bench press 475, squat 650. Um, he's technically sound. He only got one penalty last year. Left two sacks all year in the SEC in 650 pass blocking um, kind of play. So this guy... I feel like he's a can't miss. I feel like he's going to come to the Giants and start there for the next 10 years if they want him, 10 plus, be an all pro, a pro bowler. To be perfectly honest with you all, I was going to have him in my top four potential Hall of Famers. The only thing that's stopping me is Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is the Giants left tackle. They drafted a few years ago at number four. Neil's going to come in and slot in a right tackle and Thomas and Neil are going to be, you know, these pillars on the outside of the line protecting Daniel Jones or whoever the quarterback is in a few years. Right tackles, unfortunately, don't get much love from the Hall of Fame. Left tackle is the glory position on the line. That's where the Hall of Famers come from. It's very hard for a right tackle in the Hall of Fame. Now, is that fair? No, I, I don't think so. I think people shift so much on the line now. It's, it's not as big a deal. Um, I think the... <laughs> I think, you know, we think the blind side with right tackles just don't get the love. Willie Anderson, right? Great right tackle from the Bengals probably should be in the hall of fame today. He has not gotten much love. I think if he was a left tackle, he would have. So yeah, Evan Neal slotting in at right tackle, unless they move Andrew Thomas and he eventually shifts over to left tackle. I think it's going to hurt Evan Neal's hall of fame. Can't see, but that does not mean the pick wasn't excellent. That does not mean the giants don't have a, a all class right tackle. And then the rest of the draft for the giants, they did good. You know, in round two, some people might say they, they reached on Wendell Robinson, but I, because my fiance is a Kentucky fan, I watched him all year. He's an absolute playmaker. He's undersized, but he can go up and get the ball. He's excellent open space. He's, he's like a, a quick titch player. He's, he's great, a, a great on a screen. I think he can play on the outsides, honestly. I don't think he's just a slot guy. I really think he can make a difference. His size is worrisome in the NFL. I don't think it's a reach out too, but some people might mark the Giants for that, but I think it was great. And then later in the rounds too, they got, um, you know, Belton out of Iowa at safety in round four, which is a great pickup. Um, they got a guy from my alma mater, IU in round five in uh, McFadden, who was the highest graded off ball linebacker as a pass rusher last year in all of college football, um, which is, I think is a great steal in round five. I think that's someone who can start at some point. Even in round six, I even know who this is. They, they got Darian Beavers. You round six. I might not know all these players. That was that linebacker out of Cincy. He played and linebacker and safety in college. 
he was flirted with, you know, being a top hundred player in this draft and he went round six. And anytime someone's able to play safety and linebacker and, and in college, that versatility, you just want to see in an NFL defense at this point. And, and the Giants got him in round six. So I think that's great for him. So again, Giants and Jets are my two winners. As for the losers, again, I don't think there's that many losers this year. The one I think is a loser is New England. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to like, like, who am I, right? Bill Belichick's won seven championships. Who am I to say Bill Belichick is slipping? But it seems like Bill Belichick's slipping. I mean, Cole Strange. So you're in the first round. You're the Patriots. You trade back in the first round. That's classic Patriots, but you're still in the first round. And you draft Cole Strange out of Chattanooga, a six foot five, 308 pound guard. Could that be any less exciting for that fan base? It's a player you probably haven't heard of from a college. You don't know, you know, the, the mascot of the college. You've never seen a game and it's a guard. It's just everything about it's not sexy. And then you actually look into the breakdown. This guy was projected to be around three guy. The Patriots have picks down the line. Like they really like Cole Strange. It's fine. But unless they had intel that someone was coming up to get him, which maybe they do again, I don't know. Cole Strange there seems rather strange. And then you look at the rest of their draft, right? Like in, in round two, they get uh, Taekwon Thor, not a Baylor. This is the classic Al Davis pick, a classic Raiders Al Davis pick from back in the day where they just get the fastest guy at the combine. He ran a 4.28 40-yard dash. That's amazing. But he's 6'2 and 180 pounds. He can't really run routes. I, I, I mean, New England can probably do some you know, trick unique plays, you know, to throw in there for him. But there was, there was better wide receivers out there to get. I, I, I would say um, this is a guy who will probably just end up being a kick returner. And to be honest, if you look at the Patriots track record of early wide receivers, they just always miss always. So I don't think Thorne's going to be much. Again, I don't think strange going to be much. You look at their later rounds Maybe the only good pick they had out of every pick was Marcus Jones out of Houston. This is a versatile guy um, who probably can return kicks too. So maybe him and Thorne can return kicks together. Rest of the draft, they pick two running backs, a quarterback. They just, they, it just doesn't make sense. Two running backs and a quarterback in the later rounds. So I guess a backup for Mac Jones and then two running backs, a backup to Harris. It just didn't really make sense. So they're my loser. They're probably proved me wrong, but. Who knows? And then my last loser. So I want to put my bears here because I hated the draft with passion. I, I was upset basically the entire weekend about every round. Day one, obviously, we didn't have a pick because of field. So that's fine. But days two and three, I think we kind of messed up both. I don't, though, I, I don't want to talk into existence any of these players being worse than they maybe will be. So I want to lay off my bears. Just know the bears are the loser but I'm not going to talk about them here. I'm going to talk about the Washington commanders because outside of having a stupid new name, because the commanders is long and I don't like it. Their draft was terrible. Um, only positive I would say about their draft is they got a guy in round two with probably one of the cooler names in the draft. Um, Fedarian, Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama. He's a good tackle. He'll, he'll be, he'll be a good player, but the rest of the draft, I mean, their, their first round pick, um, they got Dotson out of Penn State. 
Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Two picks later, Traylon Burks went, and I think Traylon Burks has the potential to be an actual like Pro Bowl type player. I don't see that from Dotson. I mean, Burks went to Arkansas, dominated there. The, my favorite fact about him, again, for a receiver, I think this makes more sense than sometimes the quarterbacks they make it a big deal about. He has like the biggest hands like in the draft for a wide receiver. He wears five times extra large gloves that seems made up. I, 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 I First of all, I feel like when I played football and I wore football gloves, it was like one size fits all. So I, five times extra large seems like Andre the Giant. I don't think his hands are that big, but that's what I've read. But the guy is a freak athlete. He's like a Debo Samuel type guy. So think of that, like 6'2", 225. So stout, large, but fast. Got in the end zone all the time at Arkansas. He returned kicks. He returned punts. He came out of the backfield. He was an excellent wide receiver. I think, honestly, a little more polished than Debo coming out of college. This was like, I think, potential possibly the best receiver in the draft. And instead of him... They went with Dotson, who I don't have really that much to say about. He went to Penn State. He'll probably be an okay wide receiver in the NFL. I don't think he has anything more than maybe number two upside. So when you can go with someone like Burks, who I think has number one potential, who is now on the Titans, and instead go with Dotson, and then don't do anything else the rest of the draft. Like round three, they got Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama. I think it's kind of a one-dimensional back. They got Sam Hollow in the fifth round. That's awesome. I don't think he's a pro prospect, really. He's probably a career backup. I just didn't really like what the commanders did. So New England commanders and then seek like wink, wink, the Bears, I think are the draft day losers. So again, those are my quick winners. Those are my quick losers. So with those out of the way, let's get to the top four players I think have the most Hall of Fame potential. All right, so my top four most likely Hall of Famers. And let me be clear at the top here. This is very hard to do, and I'll tell you why. You might be thinking to yourself, okay, how many Hall of Famers are even in a draft? Why are you doing four, Jim? So it's a crapshoot. Like, this was the 2022 draft, right? If we go back 20 years to the 1992 NFL draft, there was zero Hall of Famers in that draft. Zero. So there's a chance this exercise I'm doing is stupid because maybe there's no Hall of Famers in this draft. So in 92, there's none, but in 93, there was five. But if you look at the five, they're all over the place. So in 1995 or 1993, I'm sorry, there was five Hall of Famers in the draft. Willie Rofe, who was a first-round pick. Jerome Bennis, running back, first-round pick. So those two guys are in the Hall of Fame. In the second round, uh, Michael Strahan, Giants went. And in the third round, John Lynch and Will Shields were drafted. So in that draft, there was five Hall of Famers, one, two in the first round, one in the second round, and two in the third round. And if you look at other drafts, I mean, there's people, there's Hall of Famers in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. There's Hall of Famers across the board. Of course, Tom Brady, six-round pick, we know. 1964, 10 Hall of Famers in that draft. So if you go through all the drafts, on average, I would say about three to four Hall of Famers per draft. So I landed on four. Let's do four. Let's talk about four players. So that's what I'm going to do today. Again, if I get one of these right, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. If I get zero right, that's fine too. This is very hard to do. 
if I could pick all four right, I should probably be in a front office. So I'm going to start off with the player I think is least likely to get in the Hall of Fame, but I still think has a good shot. And that is actually a day two guy. And that is Sky Moore, who is the number 54 pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Sky Moore went to Western Michigan. Super large hands, not as large um, as the guys just talking about, but super large hands as well. Um, but he's short. He's 5'9", 195 pounds. So again, he's stout, he's short. I'm not making a Debo Samuel comparison here, but same kind of thing, right? Big hands, stout, hard to tackle. He broke 26 tackles last season at Western Michigan. Only dropped three balls and 125 passes thrown his way. So the guy basically doesn't drop passes. He breaks tackles. He shifties low to the ground. He's fast, 4-4-1, 40-yard dash. But really why I'm picking Sky more here is more because of Patrick Mahomes, right? Sky Moore could not be going to a better situation. If Sky Moore were drafted by my Chicago Bears, I would not have him anywhere near this list. And honestly, if he was drafted by most teams in the NFL, I would not have him anywhere near this list. But he's going to the Chiefs. He's going to be with Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be able to feed him the ball. Andy Reid is going to be able to scheme up situations to get Sky Moore the ball. Because Kansas City Chiefs make any wideout look amazing. They made Pringle look amazing. Hardman looks great. Tyreek Hill, like, let's see what he does on the Dolphins. But we know how great Tyreek Hill was on those Kansas City Chiefs teams. Do I think Sky Moore is going to come in and replace Tyreek Hill? No, I do not. But I think Sky Moore can be a guy who maybe at the end of the day catches 90 to 100 balls a year. You know, if he ends up just being a slot receiver, like a a, glor, like a, a Wes Welker type who has Hall of Fame aspirations and maybe will get in one day. I don't know if he gets in, but if he, he can play on the outside, I think he really can. If he can play on the outside, he oversees expectations with Patty Mahomes. Sky's the limit for Sky Moore. And that was so lame. And, you know, I say that all, I say Sky's the limit. So it's not because his name's Sky Moore, but I really do think he has that potential. A lot of it is because of Patty Mahomes. So Sky Moore comes in at my number four guy for, you know, most likely to maybe end up making the Hall of Fame. And honestly, maybe there's a couple of receivers on here I think will be better. But I had to do a second round pick because what's fun to do all first round picks because that's what I'm doing from here on out. So my number three guy is a corner taking right before sauce. And that's Derek Stingler Jr., who was drafted number three by the Texans. So um, this was kind of a shocker when he went before Sauce, but I kind of get it. Because before, I guess when he was a freshman, a true freshman at LSU, he looked like he could be, you know, one of the best corners to ever play college football. Now, when he played as a freshman in 2019, a true freshman at LSU, he had six picks. He had 15 passes defended. And he just looked like, a, like he looked like if he left the draft that year as a freshman, he could have been a first-round pick. The last couple of years, though, haven't been as great. 2020 was the COVID year. He only played seven games. He had a leg injury. 2021, he had a foot injury. He only played three games. But what I like to think about is, like, look at how great another LSU player that sat out almost a whole year, Jamar Chase. Look how good he was for Cincinnati. I know he played three games. He had a foot injury. I know it wasn't, like, his choice to sit out per se, but – 
I don't want to hold it against him that the last couple of years with COVID and everything were weird. When he was on and it was a normal season, his first year as like an 18-year-old kid in Baton Rouge, the guy looked like an all-pro NFL player. And he had insane ball skills, again, six picks, 15 passes defended. He ran a 4-3-7, 40-yard dash on pro day, so he's super fast. He has excellent coverage skills, elite athleticism. He has great awareness. I think he has a pro body already at six foot 190. I really think this guy can come to the Texans, be a lockdown corner, seven, eight picks a few seasons, and get his interception total up. Because when we think of cornerbacks in the Hall of Fame, you think of interceptions. I really think this guy can come in and be that type of player and have all pro potential. Now, he could be a bust, but I really think he was drafted number three for a reason. Lovey Smith is in, in, you know, he's in Houston now. He's a defensive guru. Obviously, they're not running the cover two like Lovey used to because the NFL has changed quite a bit since his days in Tampa and his days in Chicago. But he's still a defensive-minded coach. He'll put Derek in the right situation. He'll make sure he can, you know, everything he has to succeed. I really do think he has all pro potential. So that's why I have um, Stingling Jr. Um, at number three. All right. So number two and number one. Um, I kind of went back and forth on these guys, um, but I kind of ended here. And I apologize if I butchered the last name here, but the number two most likely Hall of Famer of the 2022 draft for me was the number six pick in the draft, the first offensive player to go off the board. And this was Akeem Akawanu out of NC State who went to the Carolina Panthers, and he'll play left tackle for him. So Akeem is 6'4", 310. And I love this guy going in the draft. I told you how much I love Neil from Alabama, and I do. But I really think Akeem, kind of like Quinn Nelson, and then who's a guard, this is a tackle, so more likely to be in the Hall of Fame, but Kind of like when Quinn Nelson came on, everyone was enthralled by him. I feel like Akeem is, is honestly a little more exciting to even me than Quinn Nelson, which, which kind of says a lot because Quinn Nelson, I feel like on the Colts, we already feel like is a Hall of Famer. But Akeem is someone who, first of all, extremely skilled. So he's agile, he's quick, ran a sub-five 40-yard dash. He only let two sacks and 820 sacks at left tackle in, in 2021. But what I love about him is he just, <laughs> one, he's mean. And when you, and it sounds silly, but when you have an offensive lineman, you want someone with a mean streak. You're not supposed to be nice up front. You're not supposed to be a cuddly, jolly green giant. You want someone mean, talking shit, talking trash, throwing people around. And that's what this guy does. If you've seen the blind side, you know, the story, the true story about Michael Orr, right? With Sandra Bullock. They make Michael Orr in some of those scenes, right? He's like, there's that scene, I think, in the high school game where he, like, blocks a guy, like, off the field and, like, throws him over, like, a barrier or something. I, I don't know if that actually happened. It probably didn't. But Akeem, like, throws people around kind of like that. Like, kind of like they made Michael Orr sound in the movie to make it fun. Akeem kind of did that at NC State in actual games. He had 67 pancakes last year, pancake blocks. He's not knocking people on their ass at all times. He gets to the second levels, destroying linebackers. If any wide receiver gets near him, he's like throwing that guy like off the field. 
He's an exciting player. We'll have highlight level plays throughout his career in North Carolina or wherever else he ended up going at the end of the day. But this guy, I think he comes in. I think he could be a pro bowler in year one, if not year two, and be an all pro type guy in Carolina and Carolina fans. If you're listening, I know you love Jordan gross. You're right. Tackle for a number of years, a great first round pick for Carolina way back when I think Akeem's going to be better than Jordan gross. And again, Jordan play on the right tackle side. Akeem's going to be a left tackle where the Hall of Fame, you know, that's where they gravitate to. So this guy is a mauler. He's a bulldozer. He's going to knock people over. Christian McCaffrey is going to love running behind him. And, you know, his approximate value, which if you listen to my Joe Thomas episode, I'm all obsessed about approximate value now with offensive linemen. I think if he can play for some Carolina offenses where he's blocking for McCaffrey, McCaffrey's putting up big numbers, I think Akeem is going to have an amazing approximate value, which will help his Hall of Fame candidacy down the road. Because I do think that statistic will be mean more and more for offensive linemen down the road. And Akeem, again, checks all the boxes in terms of skill set. And then you add on his meaning, throws people around. I couldn't love a offensive lineman more in this draft, even above Neil. Um, so Akeem is my number two guy. Honestly, could have been number one. And then finally, my number one guy, and I hinted at this earlier, but it was the Giants pick at number five, you know, Kavion Thibodeau. So I stopped myself earlier. I almost started talking about him earlier. So if it sounded kind of like all over the place, it's because I started talking about because I'm so excited about this guy. But I really do think this guy could be the next great kind of D lineman league. So again, I was saying earlier, 6'4, 254 pound edge rusher runs a four five eight reps 225 27 times he should have been the number one pick probably people got scared away from him because it's so stupid but he is like they said he had outside interests i remember when miles garrett the all you know the all pro now in in cleveland was was coming out of college i remember they talked about you know he has outside interests he liked art he liked to write poetry and people were like is this guy a football player? Can he excel in the NFL if he has outside interests? And look at him. He's, you know, he almost, he literally almost killed. I, I, they talked about him maybe being soft because he writes poetry. He almost like killed uh, the Steelers quarterback that one year. But literally, he, he's one of the best players in the league now. So that's this whole like outside interest thing for a DN that's silly. Like that shouldn't be a big deal. Herbert, the San, Di- or San Diego, the Chargers quarterback. He, they were worried he had outside interests. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league already. If that's your knock on him, and that's why I didn't go number one, like the front office needs to reevaluate how they're looking at players. In today's world, I mean, especially look at the NBA, like you can have outside interests and still be a great football player. And that's what this guy is. So, I mean, when he came into at Oregon as a freshman, He's someone who legit could have probably left Oregon after his freshman year and been a number one pick overall. He had nine sacks, 14 tackles for loss in 13 games as a freshman. He came in, he was electrifying. He was throwing people around and he's super cocky. Like his level of cockiness, again, that can go, that can go well for you or bad for you. I'm going to go positive here in terms of Hall of Fame potential. Good for you. Kind of like a Richard Sherman level, you know, the former Seahawks, future Hall of Famer corner level of cockiness he has going for him he talks a lot but he kind of backs it up 
Um, I think this is a guy who will come to New York and thrive with that cockiness level. I think the New York media will love him as long as he performs. On draft day, you know, he came on stage. He's a huge personality. There was that kid from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He was like bringing him into the photo. I just, I loved everything I saw about his personality there. If his personality was the concerns here, I can't see why. Everything on the field, the film-wise, as well as the metrics all pan out. And again, he didn't have as good a year last year, but team's game plan against him, but he still had seven sacks for 12 tackles or 12 tackles for loss in 10 games. He's out against the run. I think he can be a guy to get double digit sacks year after year. I think he's a guy that could honestly end up near 90 to hundred sacks for his career, make multiple all pro teams. I think he was the best player in the draft. Number five was a steal for the giants. So he is my number one, most likely to end up in the hall of fame. And then yeah, just to add to it, DNs are in the Hall of Fame. DNs like left tackles are in the Hall of Fame, just like quarterbacks. There was no quarterback. Again, quarterbacks are going to be most likely to end up in the Hall of Fame. There was not one quarterback I could even think about putting on this list. If I extend this list out to the top 20 players, maybe I put someone on, I, but I don't even, none of them look good. That's why only one won the first round and one won the first two rounds. It's because this was a very weak, historically weak quarterback class. Um, and I by no means do I think any of them are going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, Pittsburgh Steelers fans with Pickett. But those are my top four. Um, again, we'll see if one of them pans out. I'll be super happy, but I think they all should have very good careers. Again, things like in football injuries, I can't anticipate. Bad team fits, I can't anticipate. As well as some people just get to the NFL and they just don't pan out, and that's fine. You look at any draft, any top 10, you know, I talked about how great the Giants picks were in the Jets. There's a good chance one of those plays doesn't pan out. I just talked so much, you know, goodwill about, but that's the NFL draft. It is kind of a crapshoot. Some of the best players of all time were not first rounders, you know, not just breaking the six, but you think, you know, Joe Montana in the third, or, you know, even in the sixth round yesterday, we always talk about Tom Brady, but Antonio Brown was a six round pick. He's kind of, he's, you know, an absolute head case and probably won't play in the NFL again, but he's one of the best receivers the last 20 years. He was a six round pick. There are hall of famers probably that I don't even know about that will emerge from this draft. But what I can focus on is the players I know the most about as well as the team fits. And these are the kind of four. So, and, and just historically, when you look at class to class, yeah, the largest percentage of hall of famers will be from the first round. But that doesn't mean in this draft that's going to be the case. But that's kind of my quick, you know, draft overview. It'll be super fun to see how these players all perform this fall. The draft always gets me excited about the NFL, but now there's going to be a very long wait between now and September. But still, it gave us something to talk about. Now we can follow these players all throughout the summer as we leave the training camp. But that's my quick draft review. We will have a normal episode for you next Monday. Uh, we will be talking baseball. So we're shifting over to baseball here to talk about, I'll tease it, a New York player. So I talked a lot about New York sports today. So if you are a New York fan, we got a New York player. I'll just leave it at that. Yankees, Mets, you do not know. But we have a Yankee or Mets player coming next Monday for you. If you don't already, please subscribe to us. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a rating review. Follow us on Twitter at Pot of Fame. And again, we will come to you next Monday with a baseball episode. Have a great week.